All right, welcome back to the Comparing Clipboards podcast. My name is Luke Lewis, and I'm here with my co-host, Erica Chapa. Chapa, it's been a while since we recorded. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing good. I've been thinking about this, like, the last, what has it been, like, three weeks, maybe? Every yeah. week, I'm like, is he going to text me? And then I don't get a text, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, it's okay, it's okay. And we text about, like, anything else, and I'm like, when are we doing the podcast? And then when you text me, I got Shory. I was like, oh, thank Jesus. Let's do it. So I've just been like, I know you're busy, but I'm waiting. So I've been good. I, I've been the same. I've been the same thing. Like three weeks went by really fast. And I'm just like, man, I, I want to talk coaching again. And like you said, we got a good guest today. Um, yep. Today our guest is Ryan Shory. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm super excited. Uh, I've never done one of these before. So this is going to be my first time recording a podcast or doing anything like that. Like I said before, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but it'll be exciting to actually be a part of one myself. Yeah, absolutely. We're super happy to have you. So a little rundown here on Coach Shorey. So Coach Shorey coaches track and field as well as cross country at Samuel High School, where um, Coach Choppa and I coach at. Um, he also ran track um, in college at University of Redlands. Um, where he also got his Bachelor's of Science in Environmental Sciences. Um, some highlights for him. So he's a level one USATF certified coach. He's an Altist Foundation course certification. Um, uh, bleh, sorry, Altist Short Sprints cor course certifications. Uh, six years of experience coaching high school track and field and cross country. And he competed for eight years as a sprinter on his own. So if I were looking at the rest of his resume as an athlete, I'd be pretty pumped to play for him. Okay. Um, and you'll see why right now. Um, so in track and field, he has coached a total of five league titles in a combined boys and girls, um, 69 league finalists, um, seven individual league champions, four relay league champions, five individual section finalists, three relay finalists, one individual section champion, one individual section runner-up, one relay section runner-up, two individual state qualifiers, two relay state qualifiers, seven varsity school records, two frost soft school records, um, 27 top 10 all-time marks. And guess what? That was only track and field. That wasn't even cross country. On the cross country end, he has... <laughs> <laughs> he has six, He's so cool. He has six league titles between the boys and the girls. Uh, 28 top 10 league finishers. Um, he has th uh, two times he's had a cross-country team finish in the top three of the section. Um, one top four, one top six, um, three individual league champions, one team state qualifier, two individual state qualifiers. If I'm an athlete or a coach, whatever – I'm reading that. That just tells me that you coach winners. And I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't like to win. I definitely love to win. So that gets me excited. Um, so to go ahead and get this started, I'm going to ask you the first question. This is something that I've always wondered about track, cross country, football, all these sports that have a ton of players on the team. How do you manage so many athletes at once? I know you guys have a really big team at San Benito especially. How do you guys do that? Um, yeah, well, absolutely. Thanks for the introduction and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a challenge, right? Um, we are the biggest, consistently, the, the biggest program in the school. 
um, football is right behind us. But uh, over the last handful of years, we've consistently been over 200 athletes. So even last year, uh, of course, last year we were going into COVID and all, and that struck and whatnot. Um, by the time that all happened, we were at 210 athletes on the team. So um, it's it's pretty intense, right? We have a lot of people to move around and go in all kinds of different directions. Um, we're fortunate that uh, because we have such a large team that we also get so many athletes that are willing to help out and, and contribute in all these other ways, of course, as well. Um, so, and we'll, I'll talk about that more, but eight coaches. So with the eight coaches, you know, we're covering 16 different event groups, right? So uh, we do end up having stuff like certain coaches are doubling up uh, or we'll have a couple event groups where there's two coaches, right? So we can manage larger groups. Um, typically, and I would say, you know, this is, so I've had seven years, I had forgotten to update uh, that one, one of those things on there. So in the seven years that I had coached, I mean, traditionally I've had the largest group being the sprinters. Part of that, part of that is just being that, um, it crosses over with a lot of other events, right? So yeah. at least, yeah, at least in my own specific circumstance, I have people that do sprinting only. I have people that sprint that also go and jump. I have people that sprint that also go and hurdle and pole vault, right? So, and I mean, those are the main ones that we really have concerns about, but as you might imagine, it, it, it is a little bit of organized chaos to be completely fair. Um, we're currently in the process. So I took over as head coach of the girls team last year. Now, as far as how we manage it on our own team, um, me and the so me and the boys head coach, you know, we discuss everything. Obviously, ultimately, everything comes down to the two of our decision. We try to keep everybody else in the loop, um, right, and doing that sort of thing. That allows us to then be able to carry that over to the athletes when the athletes are with their event-specific coach. It allows us to, you know, we get with our we get with our captains as well. We make sure that the things that they need to get, that they need to know are known about. Um, I, uh, you know, I, me in particular, I, I try to make sure that we, I, I have a typically do a group message and I talk to all the captains and give that, send them out specific announcements or, Hey, we need to meet before practice, you know? And so I'm going with right now with all this distance learning stuff, what is, what's the most important thing in order to manage a team so large? I mean, communication is just, you know, number one, right? It's, it's or maybe not number one, but it's absolutely up there as a, as an important aspect. Right. Um, but so within that, we have, we're trying to do stuff where, and this is, this is a work in progress. Um, absolutely, we're, we're on the path, uh, but there's always gonna be things that we wanna make better. We're, I want it to be everybody involved in some way, or we want all the coaches involved in some way, first off. Um, all the coaches get to contribute something to the program. First, um, I think this gives us more motivation, okay? It gives everybody a say in what's going on. It, may, it gives a sense of belonging. Uh, within the coaching staff as well, um, because, you know, the, the coaching staff, it doesn't matter how many kids you have, the coaching staff has got to be on some sort of cohesive level. Um, you know, we're fortunate that we don't separate things. Uh, you know, we do, the only way we're separating things is by event. So that allows us, you know, to keep that consistent 
consistent communication between all of us. It's just a matter of coordinating between those certain events, how we're going to, you know, do certain things, right? Um, so, you know, coaches all have, like I said, they have something that they can contribute to the program. Um, for example, you know, I'll, I do a lot of, I do, I'll help out with a, a lot of the other event groups and managing their practices. Um, we have a coach that helps out that's working on currently doing the nutri nutrition for the team. Um, our boys head coach for track, for example, uh, he, he takes care of all of our uniform stuff. Um, so everybody's kind of started to get like their roles within the team. Um, and we're fortunate, you know, as of right now, we have, we had eight coaches last year. We have eight coaches next year, the exact same eight coaches, right? So that consistency is only going to make those sort of things easier down the line. Um, of course, we're always trying to add, trying to add coaches. We're hoping to have an additional coach next year, which will again, make things easier for all of us. Right. Um, but first, so first, I think all the coaches have to be on the same page. Then we got to get the captains on the same page. Once we sort of develop this, this mutual understanding between all of this, um, that's where it could really flow out well to the rest of the team, I think. Absolutely, we're making announcements to the, to the entire team on whatever's going on. Absolutely, we give those normally normal daily speeches beforehand. You know, short and sweet needs to be, but, you know, um, so everybody's out there doing it, but we're also trying to, con we're also trying to promote certain cultural aspects on the team as well, which truly makes it so that the coaches don't have to do really much at all. Um, so before we had started, I had mentioned that, you know, I've, I've coached seven years going next, next spring will be my eighth. Um, in the first six years of coaching, I had done this whole program or done, done, you know, kind of been going through setting up my program, trying things out, you know, the whole, the trial and error process as we all go through, um, as a, as a new coach, right. And I still consider myself a new coach, even though I'm going into my eighth season, I had like. I will always, I will always have that mindset. Um, but, you know, so we tried this, we, I made this huge change in my program this year. Um, and obviously there's the sense of anxiety of, well, is this going to work? Um, are we actually getting what we want out of the team, out of the kids? Um, really, I mean, to be fair, so we, we ended up starting a club last year. We were able to implement this new program. And what we were able to do with that program is get the athletes to do it themselves. It was set up in a way where the athletes, and, they, and I'm speaking primarily to, you know, what, what I did within my group last year with the sprinters. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we had some jumpers and whatnot during the offseason, during the preseason, um, some long sprinters as well. Uh, but generally speaking, sprint type athletes. And so we were able to get it to a point where, I mean, the entire thing is athlete led. You yeah, know, yeah. We, we had, it was set up in a specific way where one week the coaches are doing a lot of talking, you know, depending on, depending on the week for whatever it is that we're hitting for our training, whatever it's needed. And then there's going to be the times where we're just kind of out there and the kids have everything they need, but we're letting them handle everything. Um, honestly, the, the, and I, and I realize any, any experience or any like 
you know, maybe high level coach at the high, high collegiate level, professional level is going to maybe think, yeah, of course, you know, like all that cultural stuff, but to actually get it implemented and whatnot is really, really tough. And so we were really excited to be getting that going during the preseason because it was the easiest coaching I have ever done. Uh, the culture of the group was incredible, right? Uh, the kids wanted to be there. They knew that they had a sense of ownership because um, they were in charge. And the coaches were just there. The athletes would set up. I mean, I would maybe, I would go and certainly measure out certain things and do certain things that are needed before practice. But a lot of it was handled by the athletes themselves. And at the end of the day, if we could get, that's what we're doing is doing the same thing with our captains. The captains are taking their group through the same thing that we were doing in the preseason, guiding them through the warm-up. Coaches are there to coaches are there to critique, help out, and whatnot. But again, it is it is athlete led, um, and it takes a lot of stress off of the coaches. It was probably the least stressful season I've had um, going into it, and that's even despite you know being my first season as a head coach uh, for track. I should say. To be fair, I was head coach of cross country for uh, multiple years, um, which I've I've since dropped cross country. But um, you know, so it was. It was a little bit different though, because this is the this was the first time I guess where I was truly taking over all aspects of the team, right? Paperwork and doing all that stuff. I was I was really fortunate before the coach that the coach that we had before was great at managing and doing all that kind of stuff uh, when we were together in cross country and and as well during track. Um, and so now this was the first time I was doing all that. So getting these other things going with the athletes again. Uh, was a significant help for uh, all of us as coaches. Yeah, you, you, what, you, <laughs> what, what you just said about athlete led is something that's like really important to me because that's kind of a way that I think a lot of us can judge if we're getting through to the kids and if our program's like clicking. Because I think I made so many, like everything you just said, I made so many connections back to us in volleyball, right? Like, what's the culture? Are people going to come in and mess around? Are they going to come in and set up the nets, put their shoes on and be ready to go? Um, it's all that stuff that we expect from captains. And I like, I love that. Like, um, you know, the captains, let's run through the warmups. Like, I don't even, we don't even have to tell them like, all right, everybody line up, let's go. Um, while we're sitting over there, maybe talking to another coach about, Hey, today we're going to do this, 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 Heck this. Yeah. Like um, coach didn't tell us to stand on the line, but it's three 30. So we are on the line. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then like what you said, like coaches are more there to critique, right? Like even once you are like more in the flow of the season, right? Um, you're doing the same drills or the same workouts that you've been doing before. Instead of having to re-explain everything, the kids are into it. They listen and it gives us more time to actually watch and see what we need to add, what we need to critique instead of, okay, okay, stop, stop, stop. No, we got to do this, this, this. But once you have it clicking like that with your captains and your program, I feel like, I just feel like that's a big confidence boost. Like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Maybe we're not where we want to be yet, but we're getting somewhere. Like, would you agree with that, Chopra? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, when he, he was saying this and I, I took notes, I was like typing, but I, I like quoted him. I put quote, culture, dot, dot, dot. So coaches don't have to do much. And I was like, dude, like that makes me so happy because you're so right. And so I was thinking like, okay, so would you say, Shori, would you say 
a lot of it does come from communicating like totally with captains, right? And they kind of set the tone. So I think that's only part of the puzzle to be fair, right? Yeah. It's an important aspect of the puzzle. Um, so the captains are, uh, you know, we were in a situation last year where a decent number of our captains were also out during the preseason. Some of them were not, but for those that were, you know, they're at a, uh, for track, you know, we run it where, you know, I have a whole thing, everything's all planned out, right? You know, to some extent. And so these kids have been on a program for months at this point, by the time we actually get into the season as part of our club. So, you know, we run it, we run, we run them through some stuff during the club before we get to the season. And um, so, you know, the kids during in the season, they're looking over at some of these other athletes like, oh, you know, like, wow, yeah, how do we get to that point, right? And so then they already see them leading through the workouts or leading through the warmups and leading through some of this other stuff. Um, you know, captains are expected to take attendance as well. That's another thing we Ooh. did last year uh, is captains taking attendance. Um, there's honestly another thing that was great because it gave, again, the captains a sense of ownership as being part of the team. It gave them a responsibility to the team. And then it allowed, uh, it maybe allowed some cross contamination uh, between event groups, not COVID, right? We don't want that. Uh, <laughs> some some uh, crossing over between event groups and getting people to, um, um, some, some other groups just be mingling with each other, right? Because it is so, it is so tough. Uh, and, and, you know, especially being talking about the culture thing, how are you supposed to establish a culture with 200 kids, right? That's yeah, that I'm just saying. sounds great. Like, it's hard for us sometimes with 12 on a team or no. like 36 on a program and let alone like over 200. Like, man. You guys, the whole time, like, okay, I was going to, when you said like, Chapa, would you agree? I was like, dude, I just want to start off with you said you have 200 kids in a program. Are you kidding? Like, I was going to ask you, so I want you to answer this question. Yeah. Do you know all of them? Is that silly or do you know uh, all of so, them? Um, normally, normally I probably know. So this was my first year being head coach. Yeah. Before, before on track, I was the sprints and relays coaches. Uh, I was the sprints and relay coach. Um, but, and I know it's something we had talked about in the questions before, being on campus helps significantly. I probably know, like, I, maybe we don't talk last year because it wasn't a long, I didn't get a chance to meet everybody by the time the season shut down. I would like to say at least 90 to 95% of the kids I know. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, uh, and, and of course, as the season goes on, I, I really do, there's a rare occasion where I do struggle uh, but I, I, I really try my hardest. Um, one of the quotes that I have, uh, one of the quotes that I've actually written into our notes, um, into my notes for today was, uh, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and that's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and I, 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 I really take that to heart when I do my stuff with my athletes. Um, I, I, I really want my athletes to know I care. Um, and, I, and I'm pretty sure and I'm pretty sure the athletes do sense that. And I know between our coaching staff, I think we have a great coaching staff. And I think that comes across among the whole coaching staff. Um, we're, we're very fortunate that we have a coaching staff that works so well together and that truly does so care so much. And, it, and again, going back to the culture thing, it's what has allowed us to you know, make that happen on the team level. It's not just one event or one group for something that's being successful. We're, you know, we got kids that are top level 
in some way in, in all the different event groups. Um, you know, and so I think, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, first of all, the athletes seeing the coaches interact with each other. So we're modeling, you know, it's the modeling the behavior thing, right? Which I know we've all, we're all very familiar with and mm-hmm. uh, might be almost even considered a cliche at this point, but the, the truth of it remains though. And it's the same reason why we were, we are very, I am very particular at the very least. I am very particular when it comes to like captains. Um, I, I, I try really hard to think about who it is that we're putting in specific spots and for what reasons. Um, because again, it, it, it goes to, are they going to lead? Are they going to actually model the behavior that we want for within the team? Um, you know, it's not, it, by no means is it the top athlete. Okay. We had, um, absolutely. Yeah. For, for example, one of our, one of our cross country, this was during cross country. One of our athletes was a JV athlete and he was captain of the team varsity JV and frost off. But even though he was a JV athlete because of his leadership skills, he was, you know, he just maybe wasn't running the times that were necessarily beyond varsity, but his leadership skills and whatnot, and everything else that he brought to the table and the motivation that he brought and the connectedness to, yeah, where he was bringing a lot of these kids together, that's what makes a captain. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, being the top athlete on the team is great, but there's so much more to it than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then to kind of, seg- se- kind of segue, another big part of the program that we've t- uh, touched on a little bit is um, how do you manage all your coaches? Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that in volleyball over on the volleyball side, we have a lot of collaboration with our coaches. So I kind of wanted to hear, how do you work with all the different um, events coaches that you have? You said you well, have how eight, many, right? I was say, how many, yeah, yeah so events and everything. <clears throat> yeah, so it's eight total split up between 16 different events. Um, now, there are some event areas that have more than others. So um, I, ha- I, I would say, let's see. So being that I coach the sprints and the relays, and I do have help in the relays because there's a lot of kids to be working with, so I, I have extra support there. I actually have two other coaches that help out with relays. Um, but, um, oh shoot, what was I saying? Um, we <laughs> try to we try to make sure that there's there. So there's going to be certain events that are that are going to be crossing over, right? So first. Um, I'm mostly dealing with the jumps coaches and the, the hurdle coaches and that or the hurdle coach in this case. And the, uh, we don't have a pole vault specific coach at the moment. Um, we're working on getting another pole vault coach in because we had a season without a track or a stadium or anything. Um, but so normally that would include the pole vault coaches as well. And it's a matter of understanding first that there's, you know, some athletes that are going to go in certain directions, right? Some, some coaches, we don't have to worry about as far as moving athletes around. Often our throwers are just throwers, right? Um, often our distance runners are just distance runners. Um, there's a few exceptions there. But, you know, again, it goes back to what we were saying before, communication. Um, we, I meet with my, all my coaches pretty much every day. We try to, I try to talk to all my coaches every day before practice, if at all possible, Often I'm busy getting ready uh, for doing certain things at the beginning of practice, right? Setting things up, but first communication before practice. Um, you know, I, I 
again, we keep them in the loop on email, through email, text, the meetings beforehand. I mean, it's, it's really just a constant communication that's happening between all of us. Even now where we're not really doing anything, I mean, the kids are receiving workouts to do on their own, but we're not doing any organized activities. Even now, there are still announcements going out to the team. There are still announcements going out to the coaches. We're still, we can't get too far away from everything, even though we are in the middle midst of this pandemic at the moment. So it's important for all of us coaches to stay close together. Uh, you know, even, even, even now where we're in the beginning of October, there's already talks for, okay, when are we going to have a coaches meeting with the entire staff, right? So typically, typically what, it, what we didn't get to last year was having bi-weekly meetings, you know, outside of practice and outside of meet, meets and whatnot. Uh, but that would have been another thing, you know, as, you know, that would have done is having separate meetings with nobody else there, um, you know, just the coaches so that we could really get some of our stuff planned out. Um, and, and it does take a lot of, it takes a lot of collaboration. There's especially when it comes to, um, you know, certain meets and how are we managing what certain kids are doing at certain meets? Do we want them doing all of their events? Um, and again, I realize this is track specifically, but is it appropriate, but for any sport, is it appropriate for them to compete that day, right? Um, is it appropriate for them to compete uh, all of, as much as they normally would that day if they're gonna compete at all? Um, what things are they going to be doing on that day, right? And so there is a big collaboration between the coaches. A lot of that, to be fair, does happen in passing where, hey, you know, sort of the, this is the athletes sort of feeling this, this, or this, this today. So, okay, well, let's pull them from certain things. Let's make some adjustments so um, that we're not, you know, we don't, we're not trying to injure anybody, right? So a lot of this a lot of this collaboration or whatnot is often happening like just in real time in general too. Um, you know, we'll be at the meets and again, it's, it's, we're constantly in contact with each other. Um, going and checking in on, on what's going on all over track meets are hectic, right? Yeah. I mean, we, got, we got stuff going on all over the place. Um, you know, so it really is, you know, checking in with all the coaches and, and what's going on here and, and, what, what, you know, what do we need to do? What do we need to switch people out? Stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, you know, we're fortunate that we have a pretty responsive uh, staff, uh, staff, you know, on the track team and whatnot, and that we, you know, we have a, we have a good set of, you know, we have a good collaboration going. And again, we have the same coaches coming back. So it makes that a lot easier too. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, the more years you guys all have together, the easier it gets. Like, I've coached yeah. <laughs> with I've coached, I've coached with Chop. I've coached with Emily, like Marlene, all of them, like so many times that it's just kind of like I'm never really afraid to like bring something up to them or ask For them sure. something or tell them something, right? And I and I know that they're the same way. Like if I was doing something wrong, I know that they wouldn't be afraid to let me know. Or if they see an adjustment or like, hey, like maybe you should do this. Like I trust them enough and I know them well enough that like at this point it's no, no, I don't. I feel like we have no filter with each other. Like it's just oh, talking no. to each other whenever we want. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I was thinking that too. And I was thinking like, okay, well, what I was thinking was you have so many coaches, so many athletes. And then I, okay. One thing that you said was, I know that it's track specific, but, 
And I was like, dude, no, keep going because mm -hmm. it's track specific, but it's not like, right. Dude, I was talking to Luke about this the whole time. This is why I was so excited to have you on. Cause I was <laughs> like, I was like, dude, track and field is track and field. Like mm -hmm. it's all of this. Right. And I, I don't know. So I want to know, like mm -hmm. you have like in volleyball, what do we got? We get, we get shin, shin splints. Athletes don't know right. what that is. We get like knee injuries. You get a shoulder injury. You got a knot like in your shoulder blade, just like little things like that. I don't know. But I mean, obviously with track, you have like so many coaches to like, you're handling it. And I, and I just had this like impression that, oh, well, I assume the track coach has his like ish together because if your athlete gets hurt, well, they probably do two or three events. So what are they going to do now? Like, you're going to have to keep them in shape somehow. Right. So like, to like, okay, real quick to reel this back in. Okay. What are the most, cause, cause it's not just, I'm sorry, but it's not just track specific. It is right. literally like I was telling Luke, I guarantee like, what is it? A rolled ankle happens in every sport, but of course it happens in track. Just, I don't know, yeah. like little things like, like my sister-in-law, like fucking, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's okay. That was so bad. <laughs> You're good. Her, but like she, her, <laughs> that was the first time I ever did that here, <laughs> but her hamstring, like, I mean, her quad like exploded, you know? And it's like, oh, that's track. Like, dang. Okay. Um, so what is the most common injury in track or like most common injuries, I guess? Cause I'm interested as a, like, as a volleyball coach or like, even like, I'm assuming like if I was a soccer coach, same way, basketball coach, same way. Like I want to know what other coaches know, you know? Yeah. Um, the injury thing has always been an interesting one for me. Um, I don't necessarily feel like, I feel like what I, some of the stuff that I'm sort of into is not necessarily su yet, super popular yet. It's getting there. So I might have, I kind of look at a few things differently than maybe a lot of people do. No, but this I, is what I, we want to know. Right, right. So, so just to give a few examples, I guess. So some of the most common issues that we run into, and I think realistically, probably any sport um, that runs into, and this goes back it, this does connect with why I changed my program in the first place. Um, but overuse injuries, overuse injuries. And, and, you know, I hate to say it, that it falls on the coach. Overuse injuries is a coach's problem or a coach's fault. Um, there's the rare occasion where overuse injuries occur because I mean, there is also the athletes that are going to go out and, and do way more than they should. And they're doing it on their own without, you know, but I, I will, I specifically tell kids the workouts that are designed here right now that you guys are what doing, is this, is, this is designed, this is designed so that you guys don't need to go out and do anything else. Right. So it's not supposed to be for you guys to, you know, we don't want you guys doing a whole bunch of other stuff because Again, we've seen this happen all too many times, right? Um, so shin splints, of course, IT band syndrome is another one. Um, not as common, but it does happen a lot during our, for our distance runners, especially. Uh, runner's knee, um, patellar, under, otherwise patellar tendonitis, right? And I, my guess is you guys might have some, might get some of that actually in volleyball as well. So bad. Yeah, we, get so bad. We, get, we get jumpers knees as well. Yeah, you guys, right. I don't know. How, all of my teammates had that. Like all of us, 
It was bad. But this is what I'm saying. This is why it matters. I, I had that in high school, and it's it's annoying. It's it's oh, it's not fun. So again, I, I mean, my my thought, and I can't I can't necessarily speak specifically to volleyball per se, but yeah, generally speaking, my 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 thought would be. It's just too many jumps on the court, right? Too many jumps yeah. on a hard surface, uh, too, you know, and too many days in a row. And um, honestly, a day off is often better than a day on. Even even if you're doing something small, even a, sometimes a day off is, is better than a day on. And I think that's, as a coach, it's really hard to accept that. I myself have had my struggles trying to accept that now. I mean, again, when I went through and had my coaching epiphany last year or whatever you want to call it and just switched everything up, we were doing less than we've ever done, like less than we've than I've ever had an athlete do in my first six seasons of coaching. Um, we were having more success. Uh, we got to the beginning of the season, right, and, and, you know, before things fell apart with COVID. But even in the preseason, we were having more success. The kids were – better off they looked better um we were handling you know the the program was put together in a comprehensive way as well so that we don't have some of these other overuse injuries right um yeah. so you know shin splints were relatively minimal and you know we were going for a good you know three four i think we had four months of running before um, before we ever even got to the season. So we had been running for four months without shin splints. Which Damn, that's nice. That's yeah, cool. you know, and, and so again, a lot of that is like, we got to the point where even on a long day, our workouts were two hours and 15 minutes, maybe. A lot of that was because we were starting 15 minutes late than we were later than we were supposed to. So, you know, maybe two hours, we were getting all this stuff done versus what I used to do where I would have multiple days a week where we would, go, we would try to get, the full three hours in and you know i'm over here till seven o'clock at night and and the kids are over here till six thirty seven <laughs> o'clock waiting you know and it turned into this all these other things and so you know taking away that stress of that extra time uh being more efficient out there reduces, yeah. you know reduces the overuse injuries reduces those basic things that we as coaches truly have control over mm-hmm. right or at least on some level for those kids that are going to be listening to you and buying in which i know erica you had brought up earlier but we didn't go into but you know that's an, that's an important part um i think you know some of some other things that we do run into you know i i as a sprints coach hamstrings are obviously those are those are our bread and butter right those are everywhere yeah yeah so um you know, and I've had my fair share of hamstring injuries uh, myself as a sprinter. Um, but, you know, there, and there are certain ways that we try to handle taking care of this. Um, we, well, first it's, it's identifying, like we said before, is the injury at the fault of the athlete or the coach, right? Typically speaking, I'm going to say the overuse injuries are the fault of the coach. Um, muscle strains, and whatnot aren't necessarily an athlete's fault, but they're not necessarily a coach's fault either. Often when I'm, when I'm looking at stuff for when there's a muscle strain or, or some, or something like that, some sort of muscular injury, it could be even mechanical. I mean, as far as, or actually, you know, skeletal, if you will, there could be other things going on. I've, I've experienced, I've worked with athletes that have had other types of issues as well. Um, but it's, it's typically it comes from, there's some sort of imbalance going on right in the system. 
why is there constantly, at least for track again, you know, um, why is there constantly, why is there constantly one side that's getting more injuries than the other? Or is it any surprise why your left shoulder all the way down to your right hip, all the way into your left knee is in, is why is there some sort why are, why are those three things all injured? Well, there's a, you know, there's reasons behind that. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, so, and so it's trying to look at these fascial chains that exist and see within that fascial chain of the body, where are, where is that imbalance happening? Why is there, why is there this one side always getting, having this issue versus not on the other? And there are certain things where basically as a coach, it's, and it's tough as a high school coach, right? Cause there's so many other yeah. things to manage, but what needs to be changed in their training to make it so that they're going to get what they need to strengthen that one spot that needs it in order to prevent this in this injury and you know there's plenty of ways to do that um personally i'm honestly not big on stretching uh uh, uh static stretching i'm yeah. not big on static stretching at all yeah you in and fact, i have talked about this one before about the static stretching stuff yeah this is really I interesting <laughs> yeah right uh uh i i don't think it necessarily really does much and first of all definitely not static stretching before a practice uh, or, or, or any competition, right? Um, I, I think that's a, I think, yeah. I, the whole goal is to be warming up and to be as strong as you can. I, I deal in speed and power events, right? My goal, our goal is to have our kids as fast and strong as possible. If I'm going and having my athletes go and do a whole bunch of stretching beforehand, right? That by itself could first, since we're on the injury topic, that by itself could lead to an ex to an additional injury. Yeah. Uh, but second, you're literally you are actually making yourself weaker. The athlete is actually becoming weaker because you're making your muscles longer. If your muscles are longer, that's longer levers in order to pull the weight. You got to exert more force, right, in order to do all these things. Okay. So, you know, it's it's static stretching would be the opposite of what you want to do before a practice or before a competition. Um, now. That's contextual, of course. We have recovery days at practice, right? We have days where it might not matter if you go and do a little static stretching beforehand. And for some athletes, static stretching might be the actual antidote for whatever it is that they have going on, right? But it has to be focused and it has to be, you know, pointed specifically at whatever it is that's going on. It can't just be, we're going to go through a whole static stretching routine. It's got to be in some way, there's got to be some sort of individuality for the athlete, right? For sure. Yeah. Well, you're not going to go and <laughs> my Achilles has been hurting. So let me go stretch my calves and go but, ride a bike for five minutes first. You, you, know? <laughs> you would be amazed and, you know, nothing against, you know, young, new athletes that are learning, but how many athletes go and injure a muscle and then go and stretch it? Well, that's literally I, I, the last yeah. thing you want to do, right? <laughs> yeah, You're, for sure, for sure. It, it feels great in the moment, but you have a tear. If you take a, you know, if you have a tear and you're going to try to stretch it, what do you think is going to happen to that? Tear? <laughs> yeah. It's only going to get bigger, right? Yeah. And then would you, would you say that you guys do more dynamic stretches then for track? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're up and moving, um, you know, all the time. Uh, even, even our recovery day is still up and moving and we're in a specific, you know, I, 
again, going through that whole change of the program and whatnot, you know, we've made it so that we used to have like two different warmups, basically a, a workout day and a um, recovery day. Now we've gotten a little bit closer to, okay, if you're doing an acceleration day, we have this warmup. If you're doing, if you're going full speed today, you have this warmup. If you're cool. hitting, if it's recovery, you're doing this. So now we're starting to get uh, warmups that are more specifically designed for whatever it is that's happening in that day. Um, and so, you know, ultimately what that's leading into is what that conversation leads into is then everything within the within a session of practice is designed in a specific way as well in order to achieve a specific purpose right um so totally and i feel like like it's also like well how you design practice is part of the prevention like you were yes. talking about prevention of an injury like you yeah. don't want to be stupid right well okay well what i was thinking was first there's the prevention and you can do that like you can be smart as a coach because it's sticking with me now like like, is it the coach's fault or is it like overuse or is it the athlete's fault for like, you know, they were just working hard and whatever happens, happens. But, okay, like, oh, God dang it, lost my train of thought. Um, well, what I, what I would say based on what, what you've said right there is um, I think it's important for coaches to understand, especially in the situation that all coaches are about to be going into. Um, I, I can imagine there's going to be a significant number of coaches that are going to be way too zealous getting into all of this and what's going to happen very, very early on in, in all of our seasons. Lots you know, of popped no hamstrings, means, lots of injuries. Lots, right. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be, and, and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the athlete's fault, right? It's not their fault that COVID happened. It's not their fault that they haven't had any sort of organized practices going on, but it also, but it's, but the coach is the one that's telling the athletes what to do. And so totally. the coach, yeah. So or coach, allowing it. Right, exactly. So the coach has got to keep that in mind. And, and again, my thought process on that is if you're ever unsure, always err on the side of caution. Always do less. Never do more. Never do more. Always do less. Yeah. So, okay. So you have your side of like prevention and like you're being smart and you have everybody on the same page and then like, oops, something goes bad. Right. And now you're in the rehab section of it. Like, Okay. Also as a coach, like I know, especially at the younger levels, cause like I went through high school and college and I know for a fact, and like we've talked about this before, but like in high school, like it's high school, you're a new athlete, you're new to being like a self advocate and being serious about what you're doing yourself. You know, everything is like, it's on you now. You're not playing like youth rec soccer, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, coach wants to talk to you, not mom and dad. And then like you go to college and it's like news flash. You don't, you don't even talk to mom and dad. You talk to coach. That's about it. Like coach is mom and dad. And, um, and so like the more you go on, it's like, there's, there's better resources. You feel like you feel like there's better resources. You want to take care of your body. And I feel like it's, I feel like it is on the coach to be like, go see the trainer or like, you know, you are going to sit out. I'm going to, do this or that with you and so another thing that I was thinking was connecting track since it has so many different athletes track and field so many different types of athletes that totally like branch out and connect to different sports and I'm curious because in volleyball let's say like oh a hitter has like her shoulder blade is hurting her and there's like a pinpoint spot and we know like you have a knot in your shoulder blade like you didn't tear anything 
you don't like have like I don't know like a torn rotator cuff you're just like you're sore you have a knot from like overuse is really what it is you know or you're swinging weird you're swinging like undercut or something um and then we don't know how long the kid wants to be out because she wants to be out until game day. Like she doesn't want to practice, but then come game day, <laughs> coach, I'm good. I'm good. Right, so right. like, so for track, I'm interested because I just want to know how another coach would handle it. Cause you have so many different athletes, different athletes, different injuries, but like on average, how long are you, how long do you expect your athletes to be out? Because in my head, I'm like, okay, you're out, but you're still, okay, like this is silly, but I respect my college coach so much. And like in my head, like she does it right. She wants us to be good. She wants us to be ready. So it's like, oh, you, you have a concussion or like, so you went to the trainer before practice, like everyone else, but during practice, you're riding the bike. Like you're riding a bike for an hour and a half. And then when the team's doing sprints, you're doing crunches, just like things like that. So I want to know what you think. How do you keep your athletes who are multiple events like how do yeah. you keep them in shape absolutely uh it's a it's a yeah there's a lot of stuff that goes into it i mean obviously like what we said before first step is obviously hopefully we never get to that point in general right you know make sure yeah. you're doing those things early on that that prevent those things um but you know when it does happen uh, i think the most important thing first is is first the athletes have to know it's okay to come and report an injury to a coach Totally. That's maybe that's maybe one of the biggest hurdles that we have because, um, and this isn't this isn't just track. This is any sport, right? Um, you know, I remember playing football, and it's how many times do, how many times do kids go in and, you know, try to play with that injury, of course, because, or, or basketball or whatever, because they don't want to potentially lose a starting position. Totally. There, yeah, there's that pressure there and whatnot, but what the problem the problem is is there there has to be some sort of education from the coach to the athlete explaining that you know there's an end goal in mind right um there can't there there patience is one of the toughest things and i harp i harp my athletes on patience all the time patience is going to be your best friend we, we i i probably touch on it at least twice a week during practice that Nothing that you want right now is going to happen tomorrow, right? Everything, you know, watching, as we said earlier, with the, with the athlete-led practice and seeing the coaches, you know, that's not going to happen right off the bat, right? But anyway, to get back on track, ed education is most important. The athletes have to be comfortable coming up to the coach. Secondly, uh, the coach, yeah, you got to know, kind of, you got to know the athlete for starters. As far as once you're, once you're actually in the position that someone's injured, you got to know the athlete on some level. What's their injury history? Like, is there a reason? Is, is there some sort of weakness in the chain here that's going on, right? Um, or is there, is it something else? Is, are they just out of shape? It's the beginning of the season, you know, depending on when it's happening. You know, typically I would say that's another, that's another way to maybe kind of determine it. If it's, if it's something later on in the season that goes wrong, it's probably because there's some sort of weak link in the chain that finally got to the, got to the point where it broke, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it went to, once an injury does occur, the the goal of the coach has to be, you know, normal practice is plan A. The goal of the coach has to be as close to plan A with that athlete as possible. Um, so, so that means the coach needs to have plan B, 
plan C, maybe even plan D stuff planned out in the event that the athlete can't do what they're supposed to be doing on that day. You know, for us specifically, we have, we have specific workouts on specific days, you know, last year we were going four days a week. So we did acceleration recovery. We did a sprint, a maximum velocity day, and then, an, and then a day off. And we would come back with the endurance day or a speed endurance day in my, in our case for sprinters. And so each one of those days has separate exercises that are basically can be substituted straight in. Like it's already planned out. I already have it planned out another document. Those exercises can simply be substituted straight in. Um, so they'll do the same reps. They'll do the same distance. They'll do the same everything just the exercise is going to be slightly different um, so that they can be as close to doing um, what they're supposed to be doing without putting themselves at greater risk for furthering an injury, getting another injury, whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, we want to keep it as close as possible. Um, an example that we had last year, um, I had an athlete that, I had a hamstring injury early in the season, you know, I'd done, um, you know, done everything right, you know, doing all the off, came to the foundational training, really got a good, we got a good, you know, just foundational strength, lots of body weight exercises, lots of med ball, lots of kettlebells. Um, I very, very much have I stepped away from barbells. In fact, last year, I almost <laughs> used barbells, not at all. Okay. Um, so, uh, but anyway, and so he did everything right, going through everything. Gets to the first meet, has a good meet. Um, this is in the preseason. Uh, only ran like two events or something, right? We get to the second, uh, we go a week later, runs the event, does really, really well. He ran, he runs a, he ran a sub 11 in the 100. This was his second 100 of the season. Sub 11 preseason is, for a high school athlete, is excellent, um, right? So not very many kids run sub 11. He, and normally that's not happening until the end of the season. He hit it before the season even started. What, <laughs> happened, what happened after that, he popped his hamstring the very next, his very next event that day. Now, yeah. I, think that, I think this brings up some important questions, though. He ran so intensely that, that on the race before, should he have even run that second race to begin with? Mm. If, I were to say, if I were to answer that question now, I would say no, right? He, it was a PR. It was his second race of the season, that PR that he ran. It was far intenser than anything he had run in a long time. No, he probably should not have come back and run that second race. You know, yeah. he, was start, he was starting to get out of the, he was He was getting to a point where what a traditional high school athlete is having to deal with is, you know, he's, he's a little bit beyond that. And that's something that we didn't we didn't take into consideration at the time that in hindsight, I wish we should have. And ultimately if I had told him not to run because I had worked with this athlete for so long and because we've had, we've got that education and he trusted, we had a trust together. He would have listened to me. Right. Yeah. So nonetheless, he does really well. We get injured. So we did these plan B exercises uh, for six weeks to be completely honest. So we had six weeks where he was not doing what was normally done. Now, part of that, there were, there were a few reasons behind that though. First, it was in early in the season, the athlete 
also though understood exactly what was at stake, right? He had already run a time that he had already, he ran a time in the preseason that I think like four people in the entire conference or the entire section ran the season before, right? So, I mean, this kid's expecting that we're expecting big things. So six weeks of these plan B exercises, realistically by week, by the end of week three, we probably could have been moving a little closer to plan A, but we, as a group, the athlete, myself as the coach, um, the boys head coach as well. We actively as a group said, discussed it and what do we want to do? And, you know, the athlete was perfectly okay because he knew what his end goal was, what he was striving for. He said, no, let's continue doing what we're doing. I know we have more time. Okay. So we did that. We ended up coming back. He had like I think he only ended up getting three weeks back to plan A, if you will. Uh, it's very, and then so on his very first race back, six weeks of sort of rehab and doing plan B, three weeks of continued rehab and doing plan A, comes back, runs the, uh, runs a PR in the hundred, first meet back, um, and of course, ends up, you know, being, he was the only kid that, even though the se- season was short last year, you know, he was the top kid in the section to finish off. So, you know, point being, you know, if the athletes understand the process, then it's much easier for us as coaches to actually guide them to where they need to be. It is the hardest thing to try to tell, convince an athlete that they need to sit out. But if, again, if you can get that coaching education in there, and make sure that they understand that it's okay if you get injured. It is not you. Yeah, the the one thing, the one thing you cannot do is to you, you can't yell at an athlete for getting injured, right? And, <laughs> and I've I've had my own coaching things that I've worked through as well myself. But but the athlete has to trust the coach. Has to trust the coach. Otherwise, that athlete's going to go and continue competing. They're going to get potentially more hurt. And then when you could have not had them in the preseason or the early season, now you don't have them for the postseason when it really matters. Right. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of backtracking a little bit to something we touched on very briefly earlier, but I definitely want to hear about, you know, I mean, you know, we work at the same school, um, we coach at the same school. And one thing that I've learned now kind of as a young adult that I didn't realize the impact when I was in high school was, how much of an impact can you make as a coach on campus? Like you're on campus every day. Yeah. Um, the first year, the first couple of years of coaching, I was not on campus. Um, I had uh, three seasons of coaching where I was working elsewhere. Um, coaching's first of all, what even got me interested in teaching to begin with. And nice. you know, I, I, yeah, so that's what got me down this path. Um, some things that I noticed right off the bat, I mean, you know, I already had a really good connection with my athletes beforehand. Um, a lot of a lot of the kids knew me before I even ever got onto campus. Um, I was fortunate to have you know a reputation as a you know as a good coach and and someone who you know the, the kids enjoyed to be around, which which I feel very fortunate about. Um, I've had some amazing kids, absolutely amazing kids through the years. But um, you know, once you actually get on campus, it it, it is different, right? Um, the level at which, you know, you could support them is, is, is truly different. Uh, initially, it was, you know, just like, 
you know, before I got on campus, it was just, hey, you know, how's school going? You know, those normal things. It's kind of just kind of, you know, those normal surface level things. And of course, you get to know the athletes because you're out there for hours a day. But, you know, going into the classroom, you know, now it's, uh, I'm on them about their grades. If they get in trouble, they know that I'm going to know. If, yeah. uh, um, you know, they, I talk to them about college. I talk to them about college recruiting. I do letters of recommendation. We hold meetings for at certain times of the year, um, right? So where I'll talk to it, where I will bring in sometimes small groups of athletes that I want to talk to for specific reasons. Maybe it's something that I'm trying to kind of achieve on the team. And I think these would be athletes that are important, important parts of that to get that going. And so it's allowed a lot more, even more collaboration, if you will, right? Um, the, uh, the other thing that I had that is no, that I'm fortunate again, the athletes have no problem coming over to my room, coming in and hanging out, right? And it's also allowed for recruiting to be that much better, right? Because now, now the coaches can actually meet potential recruits on campus or even walking around campus, you know, you could find some people um, or, you know, athletes or your athletes are with some friends and, you meet them and, and, you know, you never know what might happen. And, and you mentioned it before, we are both in the position where we get athletes that come out junior or senior year, or maybe sophomore year if we're lucky. Right. Um, and so that happens a lot. And so, so the recruiting aspect has been another thing that's been able to really help with a lot of that. Um, of course, you know, success of the program uh, is important as well. Uh, we've been fortunate to be really successful. Um, you know, pretty much every year we're in the running to be league champions. Um, if we're not league champions, we're only just behind that. It's it's uh, it's not it's not too often that we're not up in the top two uh, at the very least, the top three. Um, you know, and that's something that's something that we're very proud of as a program. But um, you know, the, but yeah, as far as like just everything with the athletes and and being on campus, it's. Uh, I do feel like it's a lot easier to make some connections and it allows you more time to get to know students, um, you know, and you could have some of these more candid conversations with the students um, when, we're, when we're over there on campus and, you know, pop it in for lunch and, hey, how are you feeling? How are things going? And, and you know, the, the normal kind of stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you know, just, just, just getting to be on campus has absolutely allowed allowed us to, to do more. Um, I guess the one other thing is, of course, if, 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 you know, being on campus, knowing what's going on, and I could find out from the athletes, and I could keep tabs on all the stuff that they're interested in, too, because I want to know what's going on at, on in their lives outside of track. Like, mm -hmm. I'm fully aware, though, though, when I was early, trust me, I'm sure we've all gone through this, though, when I was a young coach or a new coach, I definitely wanted my kids to think about track, track and only track. But you know, <laughs> definitely now I, I've, I've realized that that's not the case. Right. And and truly, truly, the response that I've gotten from kids is so much better because now it's it's you're not just an you're not just an athlete. It's these are these are people and we're not coaching we're not coaching just track athletes we're coaching people right and so yeah so much more to just what you're doing on the court what you're doing on the track on the field whatever it might be right it's it's there's got to be you know some of the some of the most successful you know coach athlete relationships right are the ones where you you really get to know the the athlete um and you know there's yeah you know, that's where that's where things could be could be really cool 
Oh man, I couldn't agree more. I mean, definitely. We got to realize that these are actual people and kids too. Like these are kids that are growing and yeah. learning stuff. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then, you know, to wrap it up here, last thing we love to end it like this. If you got to give one piece of advice to a coach, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, don't be, a, well, yeah. I mean, don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that's uh, um, that's something that everybody struggles with. Everybody, especially when it comes to coaching, is um, stubborn in their own way. Uh, I will absolutely admit that. I will absolutely admit that I've had some times where um, I was not professional as a coach, and um, I was very stubborn. And those, and absolutely, I, I wish I hadn't done those things, and I would, I, you know. But at the same time, I also understand that the, that I, I was fortunate to have some coaches on the receiving end that were also patient with me, right? And um, understood that I was kind of going through my learning process as well. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, um, you don't have to do it on your own. Um, and and I even still, even in my own personal life, right, still got to do that same thing. Don't be afraid to ask for help and whatnot. Um, that might be, yeah, just off the top of my head that might be my, my one go-to piece of advice there. Yeah, I love that. Ab absolutely. I do love that. All right, guys. So thanks for listening. Um, if you guys haven't followed us on our social media accounts, um, you can follow us on Twitter at comparing clips. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at comparing clipboards pod, um, or you can hit us up on email any way you want. Um, we also have a Facebook page called comparing clipboards podcast where we share a lot of our videos and stuff like that. Ryan, Coach Shorey. I should call you Coach Shorey. Thank, thank you Shorey. for coming on. There was a lot of awesome stuff we got to talk about here. Really great conversations. Chapa, I know you agree with that. Heck yeah, I took so many notes. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, I'm, de I'm, I'm definitely saving like the notes that he sent me um, before this. Uh, yeah. Like I'm 100% yeah. saving that. Like I want to read through them again. Um, but it was really awesome. So, hey, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Shorey. thanks for having me, you guys. That was great. All right. We'll talk to you guys later and have a good one.